Hi, I'm Georgie. And I'm Vijay Tharan. Welcome to our podcast, Diversity and Inclusion, Satisfying the Tick Box. This is a special moment for us. We are starting season two and episode one. We've got a special guest, well, guests, let me rephrase that. And today we're going to be covering DNI from a different lens. But before I start, I'm going to take it back and talk to you about my graduation day in 2020. You might be thinking, why? There's a reason. There was a man on stage who was receiving an honorary degree that day. And he said something about mentorship and always having a mentor. That man is no other than... Jim Fairbairn. And the reason why I'm saying that is because Jim has uh, helped me quite a lot in terms of my career transition coming from the police to IT. And welcome, Jim. Welcome, Lisa. We've got guests today. We're going to be covering uh, DNI from a very different perspective, like I mentioned. So if you can introduce yourselves. Uh, hi, I'm Lisa. So um, I'm the group brand manager uh, at Mega. I've been with Mega for about seven years, uh, always in the marketing department. I have a background in marketing and yeah, really pleased to be here today to talk about DNI with you guys. Hi everyone, Jim Fairburn. I'm the CEO here at Mega. Um, been with the company five and a half years now. Um, a chartered engineer that's kind of moved up into general management. So uh, glad that you could make it down to see us. Thank you. Thank you. Well, welcome to you both. Um, so before we start, I think I'm going to start by the quote that you said, Jim, when I was graduating and you were getting an honorary degree that day. So I'm just going to refer back to my notes because this quote, I think everyone should should listen to it. And uh, it resonated with me on the day. And I'm going to tell you why in a moment. So the quote was, find a mentor and find a new one when you outgrow them. Study the attributes and approach of the best people in your chosen career path. Find out what excellence looks like and copy it. Anything is possible. The world is a small place. I'm going to pause it. That was a powerful That's quote. That's powerful. Extremely yeah. powerful, don't you think? Yeah. And I was there in the room and like I said, I was going through this career transition. I was thinking, wow, who is this guy? I want to reach out because you're talking about finding a mentor. Jim, what is mentorship and why is it so important to you? I mean, it's a good question. I do remember that day because it was about a month before lockdown, I think. Um, and I had to make that speech in front of about 1,800 people. It was the biggest um, audience that I had actually spoken to. And I, I really, you know, kind of enjoyed it. If I if I really think back, you know, to my career, uh, I have been influenced hugely by mentors. And it, it all makes, you know, sense. Um, I... I, I actually left school at 16. Uh, I did, you know, an apprenticeship. Part of that, I actually went to college. And uh, within my apprenticeship, um, the engineer manager was a real kind of father figure mentor to me. And, you know, to cut a very long story short, uh, the college actually wrote to my company, said, look, this guy's got something. And send him to university. Um, I hadn't really thought about that. And, you know, the fact... Um, so they wrote to my mentor my mentor came to me and said look I want to send you to university I, I didn't even know if I could do it you know I wasn't confident enough you know university I I, I came from a working class background uh, we had really nothing uh, my, so my dad worked you know in the coal mines and stuff and, and just having that you know belief in me you know to go and do this uh, so anyway I went to university uh, graduated and uh, I went back and worked for the same company for a few years. And then I decided, you know, to travel the world um, just to learn about cultures and stuff, which was, again, really changed my mind. It changed my life, you know, because it changed a lot of my mindset, you know, believing that, you know, people are different and, you know, embracing people and cultures is actually the way forward. And I came back to Glasgow and I... I had to find a job, you know, I'd, I'd been away for nine months and so anyway, I I found a job again with this, you know, serious entrepreneur in Glasgow who became um, really one of my mentors also and for some reason people um, really liked and I, I felt, um, you know, they wanted, you know, to help give me ladders you know to help in my personal life and in my career and like analyzing that i'd say maybe 15 years ago 
I absolutely decided that I wanted to become uh, a coach, you know, and, you know, a mentor to young people. So when you reached out and said, look, I, I'd, I'd love to come and see you, you know, get some advice. I mean, there was only going to be one answer. Thank you for sharing that, Jim. And uh, you've achieved so much, let's put it out there. And that moment, like you said, did change me in terms of my mentality and what I needed to do in terms of that career path. So thank you for sharing that. But I'm going to take it back one step. What, what You got given a honorary degree from City University of London. What were the contributions? What are your contributions leading up to getting that? Yeah, award? I mean, that was so the end of, you know, a, a 10 year period actually working with them in terms of, you know, innovation, um, helping them um, kind of um, commercialise, you know, some um, engineering work actually they had been doing. Um, so really doing it doing it for no gain, you know, other than, you know, to help the university. I also did some uh, lecturing and some some mentorship as well. You know, and actually the university, you know, decide, you can't influence that. The university decided um, that they wanted, you know, to recognise that. So I was, I was obviously very, very grateful. Amazing. Yeah. Have you got, I'm just trying to think through your mentorship journey, have you had one bit of feedback that's been really, like, that's really stuck with you? Yeah, I think, I think the big bit of feedback is um, that if you want to do something or, you know, achieve something in life, um, then you have to become something different, you know. So it's so it's almost like I remember reading in a book once: if you want to attract something to you, okay, then you have to become, you know, attractive, and and that's that's kind of means that if you if you want to get on in your career, okay, you have to become, so you have to generate value. And you know your skills and capabilities. Okay, need to be more uh, than what you're currently doing, and therefore you know you'll attract you know the next level of you know career. Uh, um, I do remember Vijay and I talking when you came down um, to uh, see us. That uh, I suddenly realised um, I wanted to set a goal of actually earning my age. You know, at that point. I was maybe 30 or something, right, after I'd come back, you know, from around the world trip, you know, and I think I became the technical director, and um, so I wasn't earning my age. So then I thought about, well, what do I need to do, you know, to earn my age? You know, I need to be different. I need to upgrade my skills, you know, I need to do this. And so I did that, and when I achieved it, I set the next goal of, I want to earn double my age. And and if you think that's that's a massive gap, uh, well, it gets your creativity going, you know, it gets the ideas just around how can I become something different, and you know, attract you know the right opportunity, people, places, and opportunities, and then it went to three times and four, and you know, all that's 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 kind of one of my core strategies, and um, you really have to become someone different. Yeah, I think it kind of gives a different perspective on work as well, because you're kind of thinking, how can I make myself the best person to mentor someone else? Um, and I just had another question around if there's someone out there that wants to kind of get into mentoring, what advice would you give them to kind of get started in that? Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, I quickly realised, you know, that, that I, I didn't, I wasn't going to be shy about it, you know, and it, and you weren't shy, you know, when you asked me and, and people are going to say yes. You know, if someone says no, the next person will say yes, uh, because, you know, we're all um, inherently built, I think, you know, to help people uh, on their career and their uh, personal journeys. Um, you know, I remember a mentor telling me that typically uh, a person at any one moment is going through three or four key journeys in their life that probably going through you know a development journey a, a career journey you know a relationship journey you know and maybe some other journey you know maybe another couple of journeys uh, I think uh, as a leader what I've actually learned is that yeah if you can influence their one of their journeys you know, and sometimes I do that without even people knowing about it. You know, which I think is is even more powerful. Um, you know, as a leader, I can, I can as um, the CEO, you know, I can actually do that. 
and you know you move them on and actually they get the realization that uh, they can coach and mentor people and um, really that's you know part of the culture that we want to build within Megar is to um, really you know develop a kind of uprate people their capability you know drive up the standards you know because it includes you know all the diversity stuff we're doing uh, because that uh, really fires up you know your innovation and your competitiveness you know be doing that so so it's a winning formula i was going to ask so in terms of in terms of a mentee mental relationship what makes a good mentee mental relationship what do you expect from a mentee or a mentor in your opinion yeah well kind of 10 years ago i did a i did my coaching and mentoring qualifications you know after being influenced so much uh, by by various you know coaches and mentoring and mentors you know through my career I mean, the difference, you know, between coaching and mentoring is is actually very... Coaching's like, you know, you hold up a mirror. You know, mentoring is is all about, you know, giving advice, you know, and kind of helping people through their... You know, I'd say the technical side of what they're doing, uh, but also how they build relationships, uh, um, how they think about, you know, people, uh, how they think about broader stuff around, you know, leadership and influence, you know. So, so I think... Uh, uh, an experienced mentor um, has all that, you know, knowledge and and you know experience and kind of war stories. And I think you know a mentee has got the opportunity. There's so much, you know, people with with world and uh, life and business and personal experience, typically older, that you can ask, you know, questions about. Tell me about this. Open questions. You know, so so if I was actually starting again, I, I would I would keep going down the mentor route and and just you know kind of look to become something different every two or three years. Yeah, I think this is a good kind of time to move into your um, sponsorship program. And Lisa, I'll come over to you to um, talk a bit about this. I I know recently you climbed Kilimanjaro. Um, was that part of the sponsorship program or can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, Jim introduced um, what we call the High Potential Leadership Program within MEGA. So it was kind of a quite a small cohort, like eight of us selected to be put on this, um, I think it was an 18-month program and we were doing topics like sort of more operational things. So we learned about operations, HR, finance within the business, but then all these other like softer skills that come with leadership. So um, we did some mindfulness. Uh, we worked with um, a psychologist. Um, we did uh, like storytelling. Um, I was also given the opportunity to do my coaching qualification as well. So um, yeah, it was just, it was fantastic because I'm sort of a painfully shy and introvert, never saw myself as being a leader. And through that program, I was like, maybe I, I can be a leader. And not just that I can, but exposing me to le learning what a leader is and deciding what kind of leader I want to be. Um, so that was great. And then as part of the program, the cohort were also offered the opportunity to climb Kilimanjaro. Jim wanted to get a team from Mega together. Um, so there was three of us in total, me and one other person from that cohort. Um, and it was the hardest but best experience of my life. Like it was literally like life changing. Um, for me, it was probably me and Ian, who was the other sort of cohort member that came, our journey was probably a little bit more difficult than it should have been because we had issues with our flights so basically we just had to abandon our luggage in Amsterdam and just go without it um so we climbed the mountain with by beg stealing and borrowing kit from other people so Jim like scrambled the team together and they, they sort of pulled together clothes for us and food and then we on the way to the mountain we went in and we hired like the down jackets and sleeping bags and stuff so it was like I think yeah it took uh almost three or four days to get there so it was we were like stressed dehydrated tired when we arrived um so we were kind of like not set up as well as we would like to but still managed to make it to the top so yeah it was it was just life-changing and I think the things that I took away from it was like not just 
my own resilience. I knew that's what I was going to get out of it. It was going to see how deep my reserves were. But like the other lessons I took from it was that you can't achieve things on your own. Like if you have certain goals, there's no shame in asking for help. If I hadn't have asked for help on that trip, I would not have made the summit. Like, for example, like every morning I'm like, Jim, can I borrow your sun cream? <laughs> Factor <laughs> 50, because yeah. the sun's strong. Yeah, there, yeah. Know? and I like, obviously if you have to wear sunscreen because you will burn immediately. So, and I hate asking for help. It was like every morning, like, can we borrow it? And, but if I hadn't have done that, I would have got burned and had to go back down the mountain. So it's even, and that's just like one example. Um, like the whole team, they, you know, we didn't know some of these people we we're on this trip with, um, but they were right there. Like, look, we're not going up this mountain without you. Just get here. We'll get kit together for you. Um, you can't do it on your own sometimes. And it's having that humility to actually accept the help that you, you know, that is being offered to you. Um, and yeah, not just not expecting to do it on your own. And the other thing is that sometimes success doesn't look like what you think it will look like. So I still hit that summit, but it wasn't the journey I thought it was going to be. So, yeah, it was just incredible. Yeah, I guess it's it's adapting, isn't it? And adding that kind of stressful layer probably made you feel so ama more amazing about it that you managed to do it. And I think when you're in that situation where you're forced to ask for help, it makes you realise maybe I can just ask for help on in my daily life like I don't have to be kind of shy and do it all myself you know um Jim how was it for you how did you find it yeah it was amazing I always wanted to go to Everest uh, base camp on the north side which is the Tibet side because that's where all the history is and someone actually said to me well you know you'll go to Everest base camp and you'll uh, look up at Everest and you're not going to climb it because it's it's too big right uh, but you'll regret because you're not at the summit. And Kilimanjaro came into the discussion. And it sounded like a good idea. Um, the challenge you know, with Kilimanjaro is you're operating at high altitude and you don't actually know how you're going to react. You think So you can be super fit, uh, still get impacted you know, by the lack of oxygen. You know, at summit, it's at kind of less than 50% what it is at sea level. Um, so going there, doing all the training, but and a sense of you know adventure and stuff uh, but not things that are actually out of your control which I'm not really used to uh, so, so I think you know accepting that you control some things and you know you've got an outcome but you can uh, control you know what you're going to control uh, I think was something that uh, I took out of it uh, but so the other thing I say to Lisa and Ian I was I was obviously in communication with Lisa when, so they arrived, so they missed the plane I, I was on, right? So that was a bit of a nightmare, okay? They didn't have any bags. I said, look, just get yourself out here, okay? We'll fix it. And, you know, credit to them. So they landed um, early on the Monday morning, an overnight flight, okay? Monday afternoon, we're all on the mountain. I mean, unbelievable. We managed to get kit, you know, between us all and the hired stuff. And so they made it to the top. And for all of us, eh, we all had moments of doubt, you know, because it was, see, by the end of the week, you know, you're exhausted, you're not really eh, kind of eating right, sleeping right. And some at night, um, it's a 12 hour trek, you know, through the night. And it's on the steepest, you know, part of the mountain, absolutely free, probably minus, you know, 15. Eh, I mean, you're tired, you're dehydrated, you're having to push, you know, through. And uh, so we all did it. We all, you know, agreed, okay, uh, we're getting a, a mega summit picture. And it kept us all going. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to lie, you know, when I reached the, I reached the summit, yeah, I, I, was in I was in tears. There was an emotional kind of release from that. You know, it was, it was just, you know, it was a goal. And mentally it was just actually so hard uh, but what I've also come to realise is that see when you push yourself you know it's, getting to the top of Kilimanjaro was uh, what I'd call a, a pinnacle moment for me right it was a goal that, that I really really was you know, invested in all the training uh, but it also has you know ripples uh, because 
life's actually never the same again. It's almost like, you know, the perimeter of your thinking or your mindset's actually changed. Um, now, that doesn't have to be climbing Kilimanjaro. It could be about, you know, reaching out, you know, to a mentor. So, I, you know, hopefully, I think this is the case, you know, your kind of perimeter of your career was actually stretched because you and I had that discussion, right? And, and um, you know, doing that, you know, to other people. Uh, but sub subsequently, you know, to Kilimanjaro, um, I, I kind of made up my mind uh, kind of once a year, I was actually going to do something big. And only two weeks ago, uh, I did an ultra marathon. Uh, now, if you had asked me last year, could you do an ultra marathon? Okay, the answer would be no. Uh, but I found I found a mentor. I found a world class uh, ultra marathon coach. Um, him and his wife coached me. Okay, for seven or eight months, and we got through it. And it was amazing. It, it was the most amazing thing uh, just to be with them. You know, the whole weekend and all the training up to that. And again, it's actually stretched, you know, the perimeter of, of you know, my mindset and actually approach. And also probably, you know, determination, you know, to help other people kind of even more because I've had that experience. I think it's, uh, it's, it sounds like Kilimanjaro was an enlightening experience for both of you. But the thing that you mentioned just now, Jim, about mindset, it's always a mindset thing. Changing that mindset, you can do whatever you want. And you kind of instilled that in me. But what I was going to ask you then, from all these that Kilimanjaro experience and your ultra marathon, how does that translate in terms of your in terms of business or personal in your in your lives? How how do you apply what you've learned into business and in your personal lives? Um, well, for me, um, I just like I, I think you're the same. Like we came off the mountain, feel like we can literally achieve anything. Um, you know, it was there were so many struggles along the way and there was moments where I almost turned back and, but then I didn't. Um, so I came off the mountain. Like, I don't think I've ever felt so proud of myself. And I was like, you can do anything. Like, what, what do you want to do? Um, and one thing I'd always thought about doing, but I think through sort of a bit of a feeling like I wasn't capable was doing an MBA. Um, and I think we were actually at the airport on the way home and I asked Jim because I knew he had an MBA. So I was asking Jim about the, you know, you know, what's the value in it? What are you, what are your thoughts on it? Um, and that really sort of snowballed to me actually saying, right, I, I want to do this. Um, and Jim and Mega have just been so supportive, like they're supporting me through that. Um, and so now I'm on an MBA program. I've just started a couple of months ago. Um, and where'd and you I'm do just, that if you don't mind me asking? Sorry, what? where'd you where'd you do uh, that? At Bayes Business School. Bayes Business School. Yeah, shout of, um, out to City and University. And shout out to City. Shout out, literally, perfect time to shout out to City University of London and Bayes Business School. Yeah, You've that's got the coincidence, right? The coincidence of like. There's I no coincidences, up. really, is yeah, there? Yeah. But I'd looked it up um, and found, right, this is the one I want to go for. And then was like, okay, this is in connection with City. So I was like, oh, okay. So yeah, it was a real like sign that this is the one I should go for. So, um, and I'm absolutely loving it. I can already see like, I'm just learning these new skills. Um, and it's just like opening my mind to things that, you know, I didn't think I could do before. And I think it it translates into that workplace where you can, you learn to problem solve. Like I didn't have any kit on the mountain. Okay, fine. Like where can I get kit from? Like what, what does this mean? And, you know, Ian and I were at the airport and we're constantly, as we're getting all these issues coming up with our flights and everything, we're constantly like, right, what's the situation? What resources do we have? What are the options? And that's what you can do in the workplace. Like, what are your options? What do you go for? Um, taking risks. And as I've said, like accepting help, bringing in a team of people together. Like, um, yeah, the, there's just so many things you can you can translate from from that experience into like everyday life, working life, like the bigger career, anything. Being agile is yeah, probably, absolutely. and being agile even through COVID, because we met just before COVID, didn't it? So that would have changed your your outlook or how you've run the, the business as well. Yeah, I mean, COVID was an interesting time for Mega, all companies, because uh, lockdown was the end of March and, you know, April, um, our, our orders, you know, dropped, you know, for that month about 40%. Now, that doesn't make, you know, a business, you know, sustainable if it kept to that. Now, it actually bounced back actually very quickly. And for the whole of the year, we hardly saw it was just below flat. So so it wasn't a big issue. But, but during 
uh, kind of April. We're privately owned, um, and uh, uh, so I'm talking to our uh, parent shareholder and saying, "Look, my way of the uh, I want to get through this is to uh, do two things. You know, do the best for the company and also for the people. And I think that having that you know attitude and mindset about um, so we'll get through this, and 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 actually we'll come out stronger. And you know, interestingly, since I joined five years ago, we've actually done an an engagement survey every year, and you know it's gone up every year, uh, which is interesting because we've gone through COVID, but we tried to do the right thing for the company and also for the people. So we accepted for a year, okay, lower profitability. We kept all our investment. So the year after, we took share. And, you know, last year was a record year. And so far this year, we're even... Our run rate is like 15% up on last year, and it was it was a record year last year. So, so we're in a good spot. But I think it's only because you're deliberately focusing and on the people, the culture. Um, we're a world leader in what we do, you know, that, so you need that. But if you don't, you know, engage, kind of drive, you know, your culture and, and you know, development within a company, uh, uh, you'll soon turn people off and actually you won't keep the momentum going, you know, for sure. Yeah. Um, so one other thing, Georgie, I, it kind of ran through my mind uh, the journey's actually never over either. Like it's like leadership is a summitless mountain. Someone told me once, right? But it, but it's the same, you know, with DEI, EDI. Um, um, you know how you develop yourself. You know what's happening. All the journey potential. Uh, um, so you have in life. Again, it kind of never ends. If you stop, you know, investing in that, okay, you'll go backwards. It's just it's just the way it is, you know. Um, so I think. Um, being on the mountain, you're generally unplugged for seven days, um, emails, you know, social media, texts, and all that stuff, and it allows you to think. And um, I've actually joined, you know, in the last six or seven months, um, a, a kind of leadership, you know, mastermind program. Uh, again, you know, taking some of the, so there's ten of us, you know, that really contribute you know to this group and share ideas and you know i'm going to take myself again to the next you know level of leadership uh, doing more you know teaching and training uh, within the company and you know again trying to drive you know standards up and capability you know within people and leadership and that's that's you know going to be the way that i'm going to do it Jim, what you just said there was quite powerful because leaders are at the top and they can influence a lot of people as well. And coming back to the point you made about journeys, diversity, equity and inclusion is not a one-off destination. It is a journey as well. So that's one thing that every leader, every organisation needs to bear in mind. 100%. I think on, on that note, Lisa, I'm going to come to you and just what kind of EDI programmes or employee resource groups have you got going on at Mega? Um, yeah, so, well, EDI has always been something I've been really passionate about. I've done a lot of like reading on it and like working in Mega, I feel like it's really given a platform to actually start exploring some of these things that we can do. Um, and so we got a working group together for EDI and we kind of talked about like, what is it that we need to do? Um, you know, none of us had really experienced in this before. So it was really kind of trying, just a, a group of people that are really passionate about it. Um, so it's maybe not like really structured in terms of, I think you referred to it as employee resource groups. It's maybe not as structured as that, um, but we, we have this EDI working group and um, I'd done a lot of reading into um, the work Sheryl Sandberg had done. So the CEO of Facebook, um, she's written a book called um, Lean In, which is about, is very focused on women in the workplace. Um, but I wanted to kind of take that concept and make it more about EDI in general. So we've, we coined them our EDI circles and they're basically like smaller groups where we invite anyone in the organization to join. And they're really about like reviewing we'll, we'll take sort of a particular topic so we've done gender we've least recently done one for um lgbtq um you know recognizing that it's pride um so um taking a, a topic like that 
and just getting a group of people together that want to talk about it and say, what is it that we're, we're doing? What's the situation? And what can we do to make it more inclusive? Because, you know, workplaces are very transient. It's like we've said, like, it's a never ending journey. We're never going to be perfect. But what can we do to make people feel as, you know, as, as though they belong? They're not just trying to fit in. They're trying to belong in the organization. Um, it, it doesn't move as quickly as I would like it to, but it is having an impact. Yeah. So you mentioned about Pride Month. I think it's... Um in this month every year I think companies always just put the pride flag on their logos but they don't do kind of any groundwork behind it I think it's really important to show what you've also been doing with initiatives and things like that have you got any kind of things to add to that or yeah it's, it's real as a brand manager I'm really sort of aware of it's I think it's a term referred to as pride washing where yeah um I can't remember the first organ organization to do it but they they take their logo and they they put like the rainbow colors on and then it's kind of snowballed and I've even had people within mega come to me and say we should do this we should like put the mega the uh, the mega logo in pride colors and I was like as soon as you do that you're like you're jumping on a bandwagon you're you're just you need to stand up to the scrutiny if you're going to do something like that. Um, and actually, I think it's not so much about what you say and like the espoused kind of ways of doing things. It's really about what you're doing internally. Um, and so, you know, we've had conversations like, um, you know, we've, we've tried to put in some more um, unisex toilets, for example, to make like the trans community feel much more like comfortable. Um, we've talked about um, our parental leave um, policies and things and are they really inclusive and really sort of helping different types of family units not just your traditional and also you know always sort of giving women all the maternity but men don't get that same like you know so we're, we're having all these conversations and as I say it's we're a big company it's slow moving it's hard to please everybody because sometimes you can do something for one group that is then to the detriment of another so it's it's just a very difficult thing but I think what's great about Mega is we actually have this platform and every time we do an EDI circle the comment that always comes out is like at least we're talking about it like we're so happy that we get the chance to get in a room and like actually just have these conversations and just share our experiences so yeah it's just it's something I'm always going to have to fight for. It's it's hard work, but it's it's totally worth it. But I think it's, uh, from what you said, it's a step in the right direction. Even though it might take time, you're taking that positive step and you're honest about what where you are as well. So that's, I think a lot of companies don't realise where they are in that journey. You're honest about your position and you walk, what you're working towards a, a better future for everyone. That's yeah. nice to hear. And yet one thing that I want to say, Lisa and I totally, you know, agree with this. I've seen, I see so many companies like an International Women's Day, you know, the CEO puts out a statement how, you know, important it is so we invest in women. We don't do that, okay? We try to do things, you know, behind the scenes so that we're constantly moving forward. You know, an example is, um, see, when we recognise, you know, people, so we, uh, we always, you know, strive, you know, for... For gender equality, um, and the high potential group, you know, we do the same. Um, we've just actually uh, recently increased so the size of our you know leadership group. Uh, so within the company, the people that can uh, uh, meet every quarter, uh, 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 um, really that run the company, and and you know the gender balance is actually better. It's not as good as what it needs to be, but but kind of making these you know steps. Uh, quarter by quarter, uh, kind of year by year, uh, really puts you know the momentum. We're on a journey, just as we uh, kind of talked about earlier. Um, our industry is actually very much you know white, kind of male based. You know, so so we're so we have got long term you know gender targets and other targets as well that uh, that we work to. But but I still think um, rather than try and do something you know that dies, you know, we try and do a lot you know behind the scenes uh, one of our so our values um one of our values and and actually we're looking at our values at the moment trying to should we rephrase them uh, because they're all single words one of them is actually caring uh, but i don't think you get 
I, I don't think the word necessarily conveys the fact that um, the court's kind of strength was in Mega is that we are a global multicultural family. That is the essence of our success, you know, and actually people play, you know, for the jersey and we're doing lots, you know, behind the scenes through trying to develop the culture, trying to recognise people, trying to move, you know, people on in their capability uh, and skill sets, you know, so that so people believe that there's a, a better tomorrow than there is today. And that's, that's really trying to do it from a leadership. And you mentioned family, Jim, and that's quite a big word because yeah. people like colleagues, employees need to find their belonging in an organisation to feel part of the, the family and also contribute to the success of the family. And uh, obviously I noticed, Lisa, you've got tattoos. I'm a tattoo enthusiast as well. So uh, I've had like in the past where you have to cover it up in, in, due to work. Um, what are your thoughts of, of in terms of your tattoos what are in, and in the workplace? That's like, it's your identity, isn't it? Yeah. What, yeah. Have it, you encountered anything where... I have um, at previous companies I worked for and I had less tattoos then and I had comments of, you need to be covering those up, like comments about what I'm wearing, as just as a woman, even not to do with tattoos, but like, you should be wearing this. Um, I came to Mega and no one cares. Like, I, I feel like I can sit in the boardroom with my arms out showing my tattoos and I don't get any judgment for it. And so I feel like I can be more my authentic self. And I think when you can be your authentic self, you then actually perform much better. So, you know, it's it's to business's own interests to, um, to accept like people for who they are because then they will do their, their very best. And, you know, having tattoos on my arms doesn't change my brain. Like it's not, I'm, I'm not less capable of performing my job just because I've, I've chosen to express myself in a certain way. And, you know, it's not just tattoos. It's maybe just like the way you dress or how you choose to wear your hair or things like that. You know, we it diversity is so much more than, um, you know, your race, your gender. There's It's about accepting people for who they are. Um, and a, another thing that I, I want to throw in as well is like the neurodiversity, I think. And that I'm not just sort of... Um, referring to maybe like the more obvious things but you know things like dyslexia so if you have someone who's dyslexic are you providing them with the tools they need to perform the best it shouldn't be they shouldn't be like penalized for just their brain working in a different way so we should say okay do you need a, a different kind of phone do you need tools to help you in in what you need to do um and and also in terms of neurodiversity, so I I am a governor for um, an organisation that it, well it's a college that works with nineteen to twenty five year olds um, who have um, special education needs. So I think the majority of their learners are aut autistic, but they have sort of other things as well. Um, but it's what they do is they try to prepare these young people for employability so they also do like their maths and english but they'll teach them you know how how do workplaces expect you to behave so you can't just take a day off because you feel like you don't feel like coming into work you need to follow a process and um and respect timekeeping and all of these things um and what we've we've done is actually we've organized for one of the learners to have work experience at mega because manufacturing is actually a very good place for people with autism because they work very well within parameters so if you need a logical process that needs to be followed to a very specific set of um set of rules you know they thrive and so you know we have someone in our factory now that's that's doing that and i think it's trying to get the message out to other organizations that yeah, they're not going to they're not going to be a knowledge worker, but there are places for them in the organization as long as you have the right support structures for them. So, you know, when we when we had them come in, we had the the school come in and like do a review first and we really worked with them to make sure that everything was in place so that they would feel supported in that workplace and yeah, it's I think it's going really well for them, so. Yeah, that's that's great what you're doing and I think going back to the point around supporting people because I'm so I'm dyslexic and I could talk about it till the cows go home 
But if I'm not getting that support in my day-to-day, what I need, so like, for example, with emails, if someone's written a massive thing of text, that's just going to really cause me stress because it's hard to pick out the key points. So I think it is just talking about kind of what you can do to support your neurodiverse colleagues is so, so important. Yep. And I was going to ask uh, on to that point of the tattoos. Jim, have you got any tattoos? No, I don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm obviously too square for that, you know, but... Uh, but growing up, you know, I guess my claim to fame is I've got some great friends. Uh, and so the town that I grew up with, okay, but we're all banned from every pub. So there you go. So that, I don't know if that's better than having tattoos. But anyway. Well, let me, let me clarify, actually. You've got something that none of us in this room have. You've got an OBE. So we're going to come back and talk <laughs> about this. You've, you've got an OBE. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that was for? Yeah, so the backstory to that is, and I told you about when I travelled the world for nine months and, and, you know, I was in Japan, Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, Hawaii, you know, the US, I worked, you know, um, I picked, you know, fruit, worked in a bar, I was kind of the highest qualified barman in Auckland at one point, you know, so, but anyway, they it was all absolutely fantastic, but I came home and I wanted a job and, and I... I ended up working, you know, for this company. I was there for 12 years. And it, so the chairman of the organisation was a real mentor to me. And it, the, the penny dropped about mentoring at that point. Uh, and, you know, it, it changed my thinking around, look, I need to mentor people. I want to mentor people. You know, I want to see people develop. You know, we develop people, I think, is a really good uh, kind of tag, sub, kind of tagline and mega. And um, so someone... Uh, was actually retiring from uh, a voluntary organisation in Glasgow and it was actually John Cooney and uh, so the guy, so the chairman of the company that I worked for said, so he knew uh, all the people involved and so he said to me, Jim, do you want to become the chairman of a voluntary organisation in Glasgow uh, uh, where the UK government uh, gives you seed money uh, just to try out programs and you know employability and stuff. So you think about it, you know, a design engineer that moved into general management, uh, working with you know the DWP, uh, kind of skills, you know, development, uh, all the local government, the national government, you know, Marks and Spencer, all these people that need um, kind of entry level, you know, people. So I said, I said yes, and. Um, so we got, you know, a million to two million every year um, piloted um, employability program. You're trying to get people off generations of worklessness into, into permanent work. And, you know, we did about 20 different programs over the seven or eight years that I was a, a chairman. And some of them were groundbreaking and some of them were actually rolled out across the whole of the UK. So we really got a tight, you know, team uh, we innovated, I, you know, as a design engineer, so a new creativity and stuff, and we really kind of re-engineered the whole thing. And, you know, I retired after seven or eight years, and uh, the DWP, or the Department of Work and Pensions, put me forward, and uh, I got an OBE for services, you know, to disadvantaged people in Glasgow. So that's, that is a true story, but, but there's a few things. So my mentor recommended I do that because he saw the development path um, I'd actually get for that. Now, I, get, I was the youngest. Typically, you know, it always happens to me. I always go in where I'm the youngest, you know. Not now, but it was back then. And, you know, totally out my comfort zone. You know, totally out my comfort zone. I mean, I'd the managing director in Marks and Spencers, you know, Scotland, the, the chairman of Glasgow Airport, the, you know, the national government people, director generals and all this stuff. And I was the chair. Thinking back, you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't, logically, you wouldn't do it. But but actually, I made myself do it. And, you know, it's almost like it was a, a vertical, you know, development curve. And it, I became somewhat different from that. You know, therefore, it helped me in my life. It helped me in my career. And, and it was absolutely fabulous. And, I mean, we piloted uh, lots of programmes and, one of the programmes we did, uh, I think we took about 60 people and I think we got about an 84% success rate, which was absolutely 
kind of unheard of. Um, so I think uh, over the period that I was chairman, we uh, managed to get over 2,000 people um, out of generations of worklessness. You know, their family, it was all worklessness um, into full-time employment, you know, so. Jim, that is quite a huge achievement and you've helped the people of Glasgow. So I'm going to tie you back into Mega. How do you look after people in Mega and their well-being? Yeah, I think I think there's a few things. We run... Uh, some you know local well-being programs um you know including you know mental health support that's that's all kind of local uh, one of the initiatives that i'm very proud of is that uh, i've been meditating now for 27 years uh, a friend of mine called uh, jack black in fact so the story is you know i went to see jack black i was working in uh, offshore uh, kind of oil and gas design and uh, I went to see Jack Black on a Thursday, Friday, a two-day course, and he fired me up so much, you know, I, I resigned uh, on the Monday, and I travelled the world for nine months, which is uh, kind of what I am. And ever, uh, that was uh, uh, 28 years ago, so uh, I've been meditating since then, and, you know, especially after COVID, uh, uh, there's a lot more, you know, anxiety in the world, and, and just uh, probably... Um, people worrying about you know the future and all this stuff so um, we've actually brought in a program of uh, mindfulness jacks you know led that within the company um, our goal is to get it to 500 people uh, kind of learning basically how to manage your stress you know and how to do all that we're probably just under 200 at the moment and um, we're filming a digital version um so that we can roll it out and, you know, it becomes a kind of permanent thing. And, you know, if I think back to all the benefits of meditation that I've had, you know, on mindfulness, it's just around, you know, you operate on a different plane. Um, you're far more kind of leveled. Um, so you don't really feel the highs or the lows. You know, you're far more kind of leveled. Uh, um, you resonate, you know, with people more. There's a, like a certain kind of energy that you pick up and... and Coming back to Kilimanjaro, you know, it's a volcano and um, you really feel the energy. It's a very, very special case. And it, one of the observations that I had in Kilimanjaro is that a lot of, you know, I make this assumption, but I'm probably not far long, wrong. Uh, a lot of mountaineers can be quite arrogant and quite, you know, really selfish, you know, but see the local guides in Tanzania. I mean, they were absolutely, absolutely wonderful. I mean, we we befriended them. We actually, they were our partners in getting us up in the mountain, right? And 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 we've still got relationships, you know, with them. And um, um, this year we're sending another seven people. So I think that comes, you know, from the fact that you're grounded, uh, uh, so you're level, uh, 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 leveled, if you like, you know, in terms of mindset and. You're not allowing your know, stress, you know, to go forward. Uh, we're also a big believer in kind of recognition. You know, it doesn't have to be financial record, a uh, uh, kind of recognition. So that's that's you know the well-being in the company is that very important. That includes you know the culture. Um, so we set high standards, uh, but also you know we wouldn't accept certain types of behaviours. It's it's like zero tolerance, you know, to certain things and. Trying to, you know, embrace that as a culture is actually very important for us. Yeah, 100%. So have you um, had any feedback from employees doing this kind of meditation and wellbeing programme? Have they found it useful as well? Because it sounds like you you sing its praises of meditation. Yeah, and totally. I mean, so the emails and direct kind of Teams messages has just been, you know, phenomenal. It's changed people's lives, uh, you know, their personal lives. I mean, their family lives. And just, you know, being part of something, you know, that wants to grow. So the whole kind of ethos here is that that we work at getting better every day, every week, every quarter uh, and every year in terms of all the main things within the company. You know, for me, business, you know, starts and ends, you know, with people. And, you know, provided that you've got good, you know, products and, 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 and I mean, we are the number one in a, a, a lot of the markets, you know, that we serve. So therefore, if you engage, you motivate, 
you know, you reward, uh, you recognize, you know, people, you give them tools so that they can grow. You know, growth is actually more than just, you know, the top line of a company. It's growing the culture, growing uh, all the people. It's kind of making them feel uh, as though uh, um, um, they belong to something that that is actually going to be better tomorrow than it is today. And that's, that's, that's you know, the whole mindset. Yeah, I think this is a great kind of point to ask you both. We ask all our guests this question. Um, what's your kind of key takeaway from this whole conversation we've had today? Lisa, I'll start with you. I mean, I think for me, when it comes to EDI, I would just always say to people, just always continue to educate yourself. Like it's, you know, you learn stuff all the time. You think you're getting it right and, and you're not. You know, the, for me, an example is the first time I heard the word uh, or the phrase white feminism. And I was like, I exhibit these behaviors. So I thought I was doing it right. And I'm like, I'm actually like not not really thinking you know, from the wider perspective. Um, so just always try and like learn, re-educate and accept that that journey will be very uncomfortable. You know, you will see your, like some of your behaviors mirrored back and you just have to kind of lean into the discomfort of it and like know that but when you feel uncomfortable, that's when you're growing. And and that's kind of a message for, for everything, I think, when it comes to like leadership and everything, like don't don't shy away from something just because it's uncomfortable. Thank you. And Jim? Super, Lisa. Yep. For me, it's leadership is a summitless mountain. DEI, it's the applicate getting it right is a summitless mountain. You know, you never get there. And I think um, you've really got to continually, you know, invest, feed into something and always, you know, have the goal that you, you want to be better, you know, in the future. Setting that standard, you know, across everything you do is actually very, very, uh, is that necessary, you know, for progress. Thank you, uh, Lisa and Jim, for sharing your thoughts with us today. Yeah, and thank you, <laughs> thank you for reaching out. And, you know, you've enriched our lives, you know, by coming here and, you know, uh, I'm really interested what both of you do in the future, because we'll be following you. Oh, thank you, Jim. That's really nice. And uh, one last comment from me is, um, Jim, you need to, if you're going to keep winning these awards and accolades, you need to leave some for people like me, Lisa <laughs> and, and Georgie, you know, it's like, just just putting it out there. But thank you so much for being open with us and sharing, you know, your experiences, your personal experiences, but also with uh, what's happening at Mega. Uh, it's going to be quite impactful for the engineering community, but also manufacturing as well. So thank you. Thank you to our audience for tuning in this week and listening to our first episode of season two and keep your eyes peeled for the next coming episodes in the next few months. Adding on from that, this is our first YouTube video. So go out there, like, subscribe, share and follow our channel. Uh, as Georgie mentioned, we've got a new episode coming in the next few months. So keep an eye out, but also uh, yeah, keep an eye out.